Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited you've tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you are listening, we hope you're inspired by this message. And welcome to all of you. (laughs) It's excellent to be in church this morning. It's uh, wonderful to be able to worship God and how awesome was worship. You know, I just, you know, all those songs we sing, they have so much meaning and, you know, declarations that we make together, you know, are so much more powerful than individually sitting in a place and trying to do that on our own. When we stand together, men and women of God, together, shoulder to shoulder, declaring that, I reckon that is such a powerful, powerful thing, and it just warms the heart of God, I'm sure. Amen. (laughs) Shall we pray as we get into the Word of God? Heavenly Father, we are in awe of you, because you are an awesome, loving Father. And Lord, when you came to the earth in the form of a man, and when you went through all that pain and anguish and agony, You had a purpose in bringing us back into relationship with you. And Father, I just pray that the same reason for which you came, for which the task you have given us also to accomplish, that we will continue to faithfully move on and do the works you asked us to. Father, as we look into your word this morning, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. And Father, I pray Give me the ability to express and articulate, Father, what you want me to say today, Father. I hide behind your spirit. I hide behind you and I pray, Father, you will speak, take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we are, we've, today's the last weekend of our mission month. And, uh, you know, that extended uh, mission clip that uh, Mez was talking about, it, it, it inspired me. I knew some of the things, but watching that whole thing, I was inspired that a little church like ours in, the, in Alice Springs could potentially have such an influence, not only in Australia, but across the world. And, and I couldn't believe the, the things we were, we were seeing there. And it all starts because of the faithfulness of people like you, and I, who are able to sow into that ministry, and then we see something as, as, as little as, something as like money, just being used supernaturally to affect the lives of people. You know, for many years, I and my, my wife and I, we worked in a mission hospital. We were able to see, um, in a rather poor area of the country, and we were able to see uh, children who came to the, to, to the outpatients who were sponsored by World Vision, and, and, you know, we would see 120 kids sometimes in an outpatient department. And, and you could tell when a child came in who had been sponsored by World Vision, they looked different, they were healthier, they, they uh, met all their, the, the standards that were meant to be, to be met by a child who is growing in terms of their weight and their height and, and nutritional aspects. And, and, you know, I thought, that is powerful. You know, people in countries around the world are sending money and sponsoring children, and we get to see the effect of that in front of us. So what, what an incredible blessing that is. So just to remind you that, you know, the little things that we, we invest in, with things as simple as money, can have lasting impacts in the lives of people around the world. Hey, as we come to the end of our mission month, it doesn't mean we take our eyes off the mission of the church. However... 
it uh, gives us an opportunity when we, when we talk about Mission Month just to focus for a, for a few weeks on what the church is doing and how we can be involved in that. But you know, how does a church... Last week, Pastor Ben talked about how a church can be a church of influence. And today I want to talk about how does a church become a church that brings transformation. You know, when Jesus uh, spent those three years on the earth, and he invested his life and teaching into his disciples, right? So those 11 disciples, uh, 12 and then 11, and, and, then, and, and as he invested his life in them, before he left, he kept telling them, he kept giving them these little hints that, you know, I'm not going to be with you always, I'm going to go away, and, and you will do far greater things than you are seeing me doing right now. You know, he says in, in John 14, 12, he says, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my father. And, and I can just imagine these young men, quite young, the disciples following him at the time, and they had seen him raise the dead. They had seen him, you know, heal the blind. The paralytics were raised up and all those amazing miracles. And I can imagine what they're thinking. Jesus, you're saying that we will do even greater things than what you have done? That would have sounded really, uh, you know, impossible in their minds at the time. But then Jesus kept giving them these little hints that, you know, you won't be doing it on your own. Even though I will leave you, there is someone who is coming, a comforter that I'm going to send to you, who is going to give you the power to be able to do this and much more. And, you know, he, in those, those little encounters that he has with them, this is what he says. You know, he says, but I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. And when he is leaving, at the end of Matthew, he gives what we all know to be the Great Commission. And he says, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now, go in my authority and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. That was the great commission to every believer. That is the great commission to you and I. And we may think that is a daunting task. That is an impossible mission. How are we ever going to accomplish that? But you know, the same promise that Jesus gave to his disciples is given to us. That we have that Holy Spirit given to us. We have the same power that came upon those disciples in the early time of the church formation that gave them the ability to go out and be world changers. We have that same power available to us. You know, the book of Acts is an incredible book. It is a power-packed book that talks about just the way the early church was formed. It talks about the initial explosion of the church as it grew with the power of the Spirit. And I encourage you all, all of us should be reading the book of Acts again and again. Because you know what? That is the only incomplete book in the Bible. That is a book that continues to be written because the Acts of the Apostles is the Acts of you and I. 
what we are continuing to accomplish today are things that can be written into the ongoing uh, book of Acts. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we look at Acts, it says, you know, one of the things that we, we must recognize is the beginning. It begins with this amazing prayer meeting. 120 believers gathered in a room because Jesus had told them, wait, stay there and pray. Because something awesome is about to happen. And as those 120 believers gathered and as they are praying, this amazing pillar of fire that had guided the Israelites during their journey through that Exodus days in the wilderness, the pillar of fire that guided them at night, showing them the direction they must go. On that incredible day, the pillar of fire broke down into tiny individual flames and came to rest on the heads of all of those 120 believers, showing them something incredible, that that what seemingly seemed like a distant spirit of leading that took them through the wilderness had become a personal spirit that came down and rested on each one, saying that, no, this, this anointing and the amazing gifts of the Spirit that we have seen in the past, which were only for certain people and for only a certain period of time, has come down now upon each of us and it will never leave us. But it will continue to provide us with the power and the inspiration that we will need to accomplish everything God wants us to accomplish. Amen. What an incredible day that was. As that explosive power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, the outpouring that resulted in tongues, prophecy, miracles, salvation, and the birth of countless churches. We learn much about the Spirit of God in Acts. Without Him, there would be no church. There would be no evangelistic impact. There would be no miracles. There would be no expression of the power of God. Because it is not by human means, it is not by human power or human might that we are able to accomplish anything for God, but it is by that limitless power of the Holy Spirit that God's kingdom realm will continue to advance. There is no doubt about that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So the disciples now pick up where Jesus left off in seeing the salvation of the world realized and Jesus is not just the object of affection of the church. He is now the content, the main content of the message they are beginning to preach. Amen? He is exalted. Jesus is the exclusive Lord of salvation. Amen? And the thing that I want us all to recognize today is that the Holy Spirit is not reserved for a select holy few. <laughs> no, indeed. He is the promised gift given to every believer whom God has called and who believes in his son. To every single person who believes in his son called by God, you have the gift of the spirit ready to be poured out on you. Amen? Now I want to look at one specific believer just to help us understand what the power, the transforming glorious power of the spirit can do in one person's life. And this person is an interesting man, okay? He's an interesting person. And, and we sort of, I will talk about him from a particular verse in, in the 21st chapter of Acts. It says, From Tyre, we sailed on to the town of Akko and greeted the believers there with peace. We stayed with them for a day. 
Then we went on to Caesarea and stayed for several days in the home of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven deacons and the father of four unmarried daughters who prophesied. This is the last we will hear of this great man, Philip. This was the last reference to him in Acts and the last reference to him ever in the Bible. But he is described as the evangelist, Philip the evangelist. There is a reason why the word the the is used because it's describing a, a man who would be known as a man who was passionate about sharing the gospel, a man who was passionate about bringing the word of God to countless numbers of people. But you know, the introduction to Philip in the book of Acts is really interesting because it begins with a conflict, a conflict that potentially could have torn the early church apart. You know, it, was a, it seemed to have a very simple beginning, that conflict, but the potential of that, of that conflict to cause immense damage to the church was incredible. And that is where we actually begin to see where Philip is introduced to us. You know, um, in those days, it says, the, all, all Jesus follows with the, the church in Jerusalem is beginning to increase. And then, Auntie Alexandria, who's sitting down to her meal, looks across at Auntie Elizabeth's plate and she sees that Auntie Elizabeth has more hummus in her plate than she has. And she says, why do you have more hummus in your plate than me? Is that because I speak Greek and you speak Aramaic? Oh, that was where the conflict started. Two aunties who decided that one was getting more than the other. And that honestly was where the conflict started. They were saying that you serve other people more than you serve us. You serve the people who speak uh, Aramaic more than you, speak the, than you serve the people who speak in Greek, the believers. And that was where the conflict was about to start and explode. But it says that the 12 apostles called a meeting of all the believers and told them, it is not advantageous for us to be called away from the word of God to wait on tables. We want you to carefully select from among yourselves seven godly men Make sure they are honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. That will enable us to give our full attention to prayer and preaching the word of God. So everyone in the church loved this idea, so they chose seven men. One of them was Stephen, who was known as a man full of faith and overflowing with the Holy Spirit, and along with him they chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch. All seven stood before the apostles who laid their hands on them and prayed for them, commissioning them to this ministry. Now what is, um, what is the, I, I find that fascinating. These are men who are not being called to preach or teach or do anything else. They are being called <laughs> to be involved in a ministry of serving food. And yet, what is the, what is the, what, what are we saying is, is, is going to qualify them? It is these are men who are full of the Holy Spirit. And then they stand up and then they lay hands and then they commission them and say, you guys, follow the Holy Spirit. This is what we want you to do. Last week, we laid hands on Dave as he received his, uh, his pastoral card. 
that, that makes him, that, that sets him on this journey of becoming a full-blown pastor in, the, in our movement. And we laid hands on him. And, and that was great. But this was not laying hands on, a, on people who were going to be pastors or anything else. These were people who were going to be serving food. And yet, the importance of understanding that whatever area of ministry we are involved in, if we do that in the power of the Spirit, what we can accomplish is indescribable. What we can accomplish cannot be limited. Whatever area of ministry you are involved in, it could be hospitality, it could be greeting people at the door, it could be whatever you are involved in. You do that in the power of the Spirit, you will see incredible things happen. How do I know that? When we look at what happened in... in um, I'll come to that, actually, with, with what these uh, seven men did, just in serving faithfully, full of the Spirit, serving food. What was the effect of that? But, you know, even in our everyday lives, whether it's at work, whether it's at play, walking in the power of the Spirit enables us to be able to achieve incredible things. You know, I was traveling um, somewhere in New South Wales, I think, and, and I was at an airport, and I am not really... In, very interested in the in the American Football League, the AFL. The only time I ever have any interest in it is when they have the Super Bowl because there's just so much hype around it, and so I just sort of know what's happening. But I was sitting in an airport, and the news was on, and what caught my attention, and everybody who was sitting in that airport is they're talking about this, the the was it the Philadelphia Eagles in 2018, beating all odds against all odds, they beat uh, the Patriots. I think it was the Patriots. Yeah. Against all odds. But what was amazing about that, yes, is the fact... <laughs> thank you, Mike. You're, you're, you're doing exactly what I want you to do without my showing you what to do. So, but what was amazing was the interview with the people who were involved in winning the team. And the fact that they all stood together and prayed at, at the end of that, of that game. And as they spoke to all these players, they all said it is because of our Jesus that we have won this. And they declared on national TV, not just national TV, this was broadcast across the world, why they said we had won. We won because we, we, we trust in Jesus. Our lives are different because we trust in Jesus. And you know some of the things they talk about? One of them says, we have a Thursday night team Bible study. And then on Saturday nights, we actually get together the night before the game. And we just kind of pray, talk through the word, what guys have been reading, what they're struggling with, and just kind of keep it real with each other. This is a team, an AFL team talking. They're not afraid to talk about their faith in God. And it's not because of that that they won. I don't think they won that. But they say the, the unity that comes within a team as they serve the same God together is powerful and you cannot limit it. In our lives, you know, we can't limit what we can do when we have the power of the Spirit living in us. The next slide talks about the fact that why I say that, that having been filled with the Spirit was caused such an incredible blessing to the church is it says in verse 7 that God's word reigned supreme and kept spreading. The number of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem quickly grew and increased by the day. Even a great number of Jewish priests became believers and were obedient to the faith the result of ministering to tables in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just because these men were faithful, they did what they were asked to in ministering to the tables and serving food. They did that in the power of the Spirit. And we see the blessing of that 
expand across the church. So the whole church began to experience growth. The whole church began to, to expand. And it's not just because of the preaching and teaching of the super apostles, as we call them. It was because they were faithful men and women of God who, even if they were doing the little things like serving at tables, they did it in the power of the Spirit, trusting that God was going to move. Amen? So don't ever think my ministry is a small ministry. Don't ever think that what I do in my job every day can, is so little and insignificant. When you do that in the power of the Spirit, you can bring incredible change into the place where you work and in the place where you minister. The next thing we talk about, and we can go to the next slide, is walking in the power of the Spirit may take us out of our comfort zones to fulfill his purposes. Walking in the Spirit may take us out of our comfort zones to fulfill his purposes. The church in Jerusalem was growing. We've just read it. They were expanding. There was incredible blessing. And then what happens? Philip gets martyred. There is a, an, a time where, where suddenly Saul is emboldened to come against the church and then breathing threats, he begins to, to catch the women and children, men, and throw them into prison. And, and, and this great persecution rises up against the church. So the church, which had become comfortable in its growth, comfortable in the position where they were, where they were happy worshiping together, happy reading the Bible together, happy growing. But that's not what God wanted for them. He wanted them to get out of that comfort zone and go further because his plan was not just to stay in Jerusalem. He had a plan to shift the gospel far beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And so it took persecution. It took a, hand, a, a, a work that was unpleasant. It took something that was, that was difficult for them, but it caused them to leave Jerusalem. And so they begin to move out. But what is really interesting is what happens Although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went. Amen? You know, we've just had elections in India. We have had uh, the Hindu Nationalist Party come back to power in a landslide victory. It's something the believers in India have been praying against. We've been saying, God, we don't want him to come back to power because he's just emboldened the nationalists. They are now persecuting Christians. They are persecuting uh, Muslims. They are, all the minorities are, are being trampled upon. Their rights have no, no say. They have no say in anything that happens there. And people are worried and, and anxious about it. But you know what? Why? If we believe that God Almighty has all authority over the earth... You should not be worried about who comes to power. Because God will use whoever he brings to power to, to, to fulfill his purposes on the earth. And if so be it, if, if bringing that party comes to power and it causes a, a persecution, maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe believers are going to be scattered. But when they are scattered, believe me, a ploy that Satan has to destroy believers will backfire. Because every time there has been persecution, the church has grown. Every time there has been persecution, the kingdom of God has expanded. Hallelujah. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried. When I hear that, I just say, praise God. You are in control, God. You are going to move. Amen. So we see that Philip traveled to, to the Samaritan city and he preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed ones. And it says the crowds were eager to receive Philip's message and they were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. 
There was such a, a, a revival that broke out in that Samaritan Gentile city. The revival broke out. People were coming to the Lord. People were praising God. People were saying, oh, this is wonderful. You know, and, and they were all coming in droves to accept Jesus. But I'm going to the next thing that what the Spirit of God can do. Walking in the power of the Spirit, the next slide, requires obedience. However illogical it may seem. So here we have Philip. The, the people of that Samaritan city are coming in droves to Christ. There's this amazing outpouring and revival happening in that city. And do you know what the Spirit of God tells him? It says, Philip, now go south. Go from Jerusalem onto the desert road to Gaza. And you know, in some commentaries it says, it asks him to leave at noon to go to this deserted road on the way to Gaza. And you think, ah, Spirit of God, surely you've got this wrong. <laughs> here we have so many people here. We have the opportunity to make a mega church, Jesus. And you're telling me to leave and go to some deserted place? Surely that can't be the Lord speaking. Surely it can't be because we need to be here. This is where it's all happening. This is where the Spirit of God is. This is where the anointing is. This is where the revival is going. You must be mistaken, Spirit of God. But no, however illogical it may seem, when you are walking in the power of the Spirit, He will tell you to do things and you need to listen and obey. From ministering to thousands of people, Philip is taken along this road. And you know what he's going to, who he's going to minister to? He's going to minister to one man. The Spirit of God is taking him to minister to one man. <laughs> I can't understand that Spirit of God. I had thousands of people coming to my services and you are telling me go there to this deserted road at noon. Surely at noon no one travels because it is so hot and you are expecting me to go there. Who is going to be there at noon traveling in this heat? There was one man who God wanted to speak to. One man who God wanted to meet with. One man who was going to be transformed and who would bring incredible transformation to an entire continent. The beginning of transformation in the continent of Africa would come from that encounter that Philip has with this man on that deserted road. Amen? It may be illogical, but the Spirit of God, when He moves, we need to listen. You know, that man, was, 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 he's, he's referred to as the Ethiopian eunuch. And I don't know what his life was like, but I can imagine that even though he's now in a position of authority, because we read about him and we hear that he was this high-ranking official, but to become a eunuch, people, men were chosen at a young age, so as boys they were chosen. They went through this process of castration, I don't want to describe it to you, but it was very unpleasant. <laughs> and it caused changes to happen in their body because they would have no more testosterone. They would grow up with physical features that, that set them apart from other men, obviously. They would suffer other medical issues. Their bones wouldn't be as strong as other people. They would suffer humiliation. They would suffer being set apart and, and, and you know, being... Uh, being laughed at. They would be uh, outcasts almost in certain parts of, of what they wanted to do. And this was a man who had experienced a lot of 
difficulties, I imagine, growing up. But somehow he had reached this position of authority. But he would never have children, he would never have a family. After all that humiliation and stuff that he had been through, finally he's, he's reached a point of, of where he's, learned, he's, he's gained something in a, in a worldly sense. But he's still, I can imagine there's a lot of loss in his life of the things that he will never experience and have. And he's gone to Jerusalem, he's gone to the temple, he's done what he had to. And I can imagine what would have happened at the temple as well. There was a section for foreigners who came there. But even in that place when he went in, I imagine the temple guards would have looked at him and say, you look a bit odd. We don't want you here. We don't want you where the men are. We don't want you where the women are. Where are you going to stand? Where are you going to go? And I can imagine the, the, the different things that he would have experienced. And you know, he's sitting there and he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And it's interesting what he's actually reading. He's reading about this person who, with his mouth shut, where he's describing, you know, Jesus, and he's describing this Lamb of God who was taken uh, and who is killed and who has no ability to say anything in response to the humiliation that he's facing. He's not able to speak out, speak back out, despite what he's going through. And, and, and he says he has no more descendants. He has no descendants to speak of. And, and this eunuch is thinking, you know what? This actually sounds a bit like me. This is a man I was taken when, when I was castrated. I was taken against my will. There were things done to me that I did not want of my own free will. I will never have descendants. And I can actually, uh, I can actually relate to what this person is going through. But who is he talking about? Is this prophet talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And Philip is able to sit with him and tell him, this is talking about the Lord Jesus. And he's able to explain that this Jesus who has been through humiliation and all that pain, similar to maybe what, and this, I imagine the eunuch thought, similar to what I've been through, and yet this Jesus is now risen and this Jesus has the capacity and the ability to change your life and bring you joy and peace and give you fulfillment. And he says, and, and you know, as soon as he sees the water, the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch says, what is stopping me from being baptized right now? And he's willing to take that next step of obedience and, he, and Philip gets down with him and they baptize him. What an incredible, incredible uh, you know, meeting of two people that God orchestrated that would change the life of that Ethiopian eunuch forever. And it says, you know, Philip is taken away immediately. He's taken away immediately. He was teleported from that place. But the Ethiopian eunuch goes back to his land filled with joy, it says. Filled with joy. Amen? The encounter of one man would change not only the future and, the, and his destiny, but it would also influence an entire continent. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to stand in the presence of God because I think we're getting close to end of our time. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine that the Spirit of God 
is just moving across us right now. And it he is. Spirit of God is here. Jesus says, I want to take you and I want to use you to accomplish my purposes. I have a plan for this earth. The plan is that every single person on the, on this, on the face of the earth is going to hear the gospel. He's going to hear the good news of salvation. Every person on the face of the earth is going to hear this good news of salvation. But you know what? No one's going to hear it until someone tells them. And who will tell them? Who will go across out of the four walls of this church? Who will go out and who will meet with people and tell them there is a Savior who loves you and who died for you? Who is going to tell them that there is a life beyond this earthly life? A life that is eternal. A life that will be full of incredible abundance. But you don't have to wait till you die to get that abundant life. You can have an abundant life right now in this, on the earth. But that abundant life comes through believing in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. He is able to come into your heart. He is able to forgive you of every sin you have committed. And He is able to set your path on a destiny that is completely different to anything you have thought or imagined. And the reason He does that is because of His love for you. Mez talked about the incredible love of God for us, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. And that love is what prompted Him to come down to the earth and to die on the cross for you and I. Because he wanted, above all else, to be able to bring us back into relationship with God. Because he knew there was something that was stopping the relationship. And that was our sin. And the only atonement, the only way that sin, that sin's power over our lives could be broken was through the perfect sacrifice of one who had no sin. The sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. The mission of the church is clear. Jesus told us what the mission was. Do you want to be part of that mission? Do you want to be part of God's plan for the earth? The only way you can do that is through the power of the Spirit on your lives. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know what, brothers and sisters? The day you turn to Christ, the day you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of the living God comes into your heart. But that is not the end of it because that is only the beginning. The Spirit of God wants to baptize you. He wants to come upon you in power just as He did on those disciples. And He can. If you will humble yourself and you will pray, you will seek Him and say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I want to experience what people are talking about. I want to experience that incredible anointing of the Spirit that comes upon a believer and causes him to be radically transformed and changed from being a person who is quiet and shy and, and unable and unassuming into a person who can be powerful for the sake of the kingdom, who is able to perform miracles, who is able to heal the sick, who is able to, do, to with courage declare the word of God over people. All of us can experience that. 
All you have to do is pray. Pray to God and ask Him. Ask the Spirit to come upon you and He will do it. Thank you for joining us in the podcast. For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.